In the spring of 2021, the COVID-19 pandemic had most organizations struggling to simply keep their doors open. For the Allen County Courts, that meant finding ways to keep employees and the public safe while the courts stayed open. But amidst the uncertainty, an idea emerged. It was a new way to serve the public that had never been tried before. In the years since, that idea has put $1.4 million back into the pockets of former Allen County homeowners or their heirs. I'm John McGauley, and on this episode of In Session, we're talking with Judge Jennifer DeGroote about Allen Superior Court's Mortgage Foreclosure Surplus Program. Judge Jennifer DeGroote, welcome to the first ever recording of an episode of In Session. We're going to talk today about the Mortgage Foreclosure Surpluses Program. Kind of a big name for something that's got a pretty noble, interesting, and worthwhile to, to the people it affects objective. Before we get going much farther, just define what the program's doing, where it came from, what the objective was when you first saw the need. This came about when we realized that now going back a few years, uh, something different was happening in mortgage foreclosure cases. Um, short, you know, sometime after a judgment is entered in favor of the bank, the bank will oftentimes pursue a sheriff sale of the home. For many, many years, homes were not selling for more than the bank was still owed. That changed. Property values went up, banks would get paid in full, and money would still be sitting in these cases um, waiting to get somewhere. And so during the pandemic, when there were moratoriums in place where other types of traditional foreclosure actions weren't happening, we were able to take some time to actually dig into those cases. And we discovered that going back to 2014 through 2020, uh, we had about 114 cases that within all of those cases, there was over a million dollars sitting in the clerk's office waiting for further disbursement. Banks had been satisfied. So it turned into trying to find those former homeowners, trying to find their heirs, maybe some other creditors who were in the case to say, hey, here is some money, come and get it. The homeowners, it seems like maybe they have, have, have just walked away at the end of the case because they didn't really think that there might be money still waiting for me. Is that really what's what's happened? And the, they're used to more of the traditional picture where I walk away, I've lost everything. I think that's a lot of what was going on. And, and also just based on the fact that it wasn't going to sell for more than the banks were, were entitled to receive uh, based on their judgment, additional interest, or maybe additional property preservation fees they had incurred. Also, the way forms were created in our mortgage foreclosure program weren't very clear that there was going to be money held over. The forms at the time, which, which worked for so many years in the cases, basically directed the clerk Here's the amount of money now due and owing to the plaintiff following the sale. Pay this money to the bank, the plaintiff. And if there is any leftover funds, the court will direct you later how to, to send that money out. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what it was. So it didn't make it clear that there's money, there is a, a surplus in this case, and here's what needs to happen. As a result of this and finding all of these older cases that had money still sitting there, we devised new forms. So now when we get to the end, following the sale, following the bank being paid off, we issue an order that says, 
we now have this amount of money still held in surplus. And we send that order out to all the defendants with a 30-day window to let the court know if you feel this is money you are entitled to receive or some of this money you feel you are entitled to receive. Mm -hmm. So that has helped us prevent this, you know, big pileup of cash sitting in our, you know, clerk's office waiting to find someone, you know, to take it. So let's let's skip to one of the headlines first here. You mentioned that when the program started in the spring of 2021, and we announced it to the public in, in July of 2021, that there was about a million dollars there waiting for people to collect. A few months ago, we announced that you had passed a million dollars in money that's been returned to people. But it didn't stop there. I mean, this is a living, breathing program that continues on to this day. As of today, how much money have you been able to return? As we sit here today, we have been able to release uh, just over $1.4 million back from these surplus funds. Now, having said that, we do still have um, surplus funds sitting in in cases that we would certainly love to find a place for. Because if this money doesn't get recovered through our court cases, eventually the clerk has no choice but to send them down to Indianapolis to an unclaimed property uh, with the state. And then people would have to go find it that way, which is just another layer of challenges and, and, and hurdles to, to try to, to recoup that money. But as we sit here today, we've paid out $1.4 million. That's the great news. We're still sitting on um, 472000 and some change um, in, in money that you know, we just still need to find mm-hmm. who is entitled to receive that. Um, and what th- what's interesting is shortly after we made our first announcement that we had these cases with this money, we were finding people, but these, we still needed people, you know, we need to find you who is entitled to get this money. We had at one point given out 700,000 plus to people, heirs, former homeowners, but back then we still had 450 some odd thousand dollars sitting here. So I think what we're doing moving forward has shown that we're not sitting on a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. We're getting a hold of people still fairly early in a case following judgment that we still know where they are. We still have valid addresses to reach them and they're still paying attention to what's going on. So while we still have a significant amount of money, a lot of it is still from those older cases where we just have lost track of people. We've tried to find them. We've tried to reach out, look for heirs and things of that nature and it's just you know money we can't get into the right hands yet now you've had a lot of work done really energetic uh, hard work done by your staff here in the civil division of the superior court to hunt these people down some creative ways that they've gone about looking for people who's who this money belongs to talk about that for a second what your sure. staff has done to find people. Um, they've, you know, used some of the creative search techniques that are available out there through the internet. When we would know, and sometimes in a case that the former homeowner had passed away, but the other defendants were unknown heirs. We didn't know who these people were, and so it was just sort of a public notice. If you are an unknown heir. Here's a case on a mortgage foreclosure. Well, most of those people wouldn't have been paying attention to it much anyway. Sometimes you can go into and find the obituary for the person who passed away, and that gives you names and maybe some locations of where some of these unknown heirs are. And if you can find one or two of them, the other thing we learned is people were, A, surprised they might be getting some money, but also very open and honest is that, hey, here's my brother's address. He is also an heir 
to this potential money. So people were very open. They did hear from us. Occasionally, people thought we might be scamming them. Even though we weren't sending an email that said, click here, which we all know better (laughs) than to do, they would get a letter from the court on court letterhead. But I get it. People can fake that. And so some people did ignore us, but we we would get persistent. And it included phone calls to people because, again, one of the siblings would come forward and we say, yeah, we sent a letter to your brother. We just haven't heard back. Oh, here's his number. Mm -hmm. And so you'd call him and then we could tell them, go look it up in, a, in in my case, because there are resources out there that if you're not sure I'm telling you something accurate right. or you, you don't believe the letter, go in and see it for yourself. And then we could get the money to them. I can imagine what the reaction was that you got from people because you know who among us hasn't gotten an email from a Nigerian prince from exactly. time to time also claiming that they have right. money. But that- this is not a, a diamond mind. This is not <laughs> some of the other things we've seen, unfortunately, people deal with with those scams. This was sort of like, you know, the more mortgage foreclosure, it's over. The case is over. There's money still held by the clerk. So fortunately, while there's that initial hesitation, there are verifiable ways for people to confirm what we're telling them without having to jeopardize. We're not asking for personal information other than name and address so we can send you the check. Right. You, you, you set up an email address. If people get a letter from the court saying that they may have money due to them, they can reach out at, at foreclosure at allensuperiorcourt.us and that goes straight to one of the staff members that's been working on this and they can confirm the legitimacy sure. of that letter and more importantly get in touch with them and start working on how to Right. And, and, you know, because of our electronic filing system and and the availability of my case, even if it's not directly reaching out to the court email, because, again, somebody might Mm -hmm. be distrustful or maybe has been taken advantage of through another type of, you know, scam process. But they can go into my case Mm -hmm. and look it up under the name of either themselves, if they were the prior homeowner or their heir, you know, who they are the heir of. They can go in under their mother's name, father name, something like that, and find the case and then see what is in there as well. And there's some, you know, some limited information. They may not have the full access about the amounts and things of the money, but they can see orders that have gone out and they can confirm. And especially with our new process um, and how we've revamped those forms, Mm -hmm. it gives them the, the clear information about how much money is still being held as surplus and, you know, reaching out to as many people as we can find to say, if it's you, come and get it. Or if you feel you're entitled to it, let us know. And sometimes we have to set hearings and resolve disputes because not everybody agrees how that money should be divided. And then, you know, but oftentimes it's it's pretty standard and we get enough information from the written communications we get from people that we're able to get that money out without a whole lot more delay. We already mentioned the, the email address, foreclosure at allensuperiorcourt.us, that you can reach out if you've gotten a letter or suspect that maybe this, this is a situation that applies to you. But you've also put online a lot of, a, really a roadmap to get people to this information. You've at, at allensuperiorcourt.us slash foreclosure, people can find a list of case numbers where there are, are monies being held, the amount of those monies, they can go to the to the website you mentioned, mycase.in.gov. And if they've got their own case number and see it on that list, they can look it up and find out if this applies to them. Right. We, we try to get as much information out that is helpful to people without giving everything out in a case that might not be exactly all appropriate for public 
consumption. Right. So we, we put as much information out to say, this might not be everything that tells you what you want to know, but it gets you the roadmap, like you said, to get you there. So if you think this could be you, go look it up here. If you've got a case number that matches this one, here's how you can look it up for more information. Or you can email my staff at through that email address to just reach out and ask questions or, hey, I need to write something in. What does it need to say? And for procedural purposes, we're more than happy to help. Let's back up just a second. I want to make sure that people are aware of how special this is. The, the COVID-19 pandemic threw a monkey wrench into the machines of, of the court, made us do a lot of things differently, slowed some things down. We never closed, but we were impacted just as much as anybody was. But that's where the opportunity arose to, to think up the idea for this program. Talk a little about that. Sure. Jane. One of my staff who works very closely with the mortgage foreclosure cases named Eddie, <laughs> we'll just go with that. He knew there was some money out there. He knew this had been happening, but he didn't really necessarily know how many cases, how much money are we talking about. So he spoke with me about it and we said, yeah, let's explore this more and see what we have. So he reached out to folks in our clerk's office who were able to generate a report and give us that information. Mm -hmm. Here's the cases that are still holding. And that's where we realized, you know, over $1.1 million is being held in over 100 cases dating back to 2014. And here we are in later 2020. What can we do about this? And because we had experienced moratoriums a lot of what Eddie does which involves other case types we work for but he was sort of like I'm, I'm not able to do my typical mortgage foreclosure work how about if I devote that time to trying to figure out how we can get some of this money back and so with that initial rollout from that 1.1 million again there's some little bit of money here and money here and there that skews the numbers but essentially we gave out 700,000 and we mm-hmm. were still trying to track down 400,000 in terms of money to go out so when everybody else was worrying about monies and employment and we were able to find a time during the pandemic to give money back to people mm-hmm. to the tune of seven hundred thousand dollars and then some and so that was a a neat thing to do and i think that's that's in part why there was a little bit of distrust maybe from some of the receivers <laughs> of those letters which is like yeah this is probably not really happening during the pandemic or any other time in my life why would somebody try to reach out and say that we might have some money that you're entitled to receive and in some of those cases it was a few thousand dollars in some of those cases it was tens of thousands thousands of dollars that we were able to get back to people. And that can be life-changing for them at that stage in their life, depending on whatever they were going through. They had clearly already lost a home or the person they loved had lost their home. And now they're the heir to able to get this money to, to help, not just even during a pandemic, but that's money that can certainly change the tra- trajectory of somebody's current status, you know, in terms of helping them find new housing, Mm-hmm. helping them find you know reliable transportation, whatever it might be. It was certainly money that could be a game changer. That's an interesting point. It's got to be one of the most devastating things that can happen to somebody, being the subject of a foreclosure, losing a home that may, you may have invested years of your, your life and your income in. What's been the reaction, if, if you've gotten any so far, from the people who've gotten this money? I mean, it, it's not insignificant in many cases. It may be enough to put them on the road to, to getting their life back together. Sure. We've seen you know studies all over for local and you know nationwide about how housing instability can impact someone's life and the life of a family um, in terms of being displaced from their home, losing possessions, having to relocate perhaps to a new neighborhood, a new part of town, now we're changing schools, how is this impacting employment? And so this was something that while 
whatever families we were able to reach had, had already experienced that instability in losing the home could get them again back on track to either find new home, a new home to purchase or a better, bigger home to rent for their family in a neighborhood around schools and employment that, that supports them. So, so it was very positive uh, for a lot of families mm-hmm. to be able to have a little bit of that rainbow at the end or the light at the end of the tunnel of, of what was really probably a, uh, a devastating time for them. Personally satisfying. I mean, there, there, aren't, there aren't good things that, you know, we get to do in the courts. People don't come here because they want to. In many cases, they come because they have to. And you've been able to return money in 74 cases, which in many cases involves multiple people, uh, you know, husband, wife, maybe their kids. So that number of people impacted by this may be up in the in the hundreds by now. How personally satisfying is it to be able to do something positive that's a fresh idea? It's It's been very satisfying. You know, a lot of times I realize I'm going to come into work and based on whatever type of cases I'm hearing or the, the nature of the hearings I'm having, there's a really good chance at least one side's not going to come out of there happy. And sometimes neither side or all the sides are going to go out of there very unhappy. So we're a court that has to, we, we serve the people, we have to decide our cases, we have to make difficult decisions that we realize are going to have in, in some cases negative impacts on people. But we're doing our job to follow the law and issue our rulings. And so to be able to turn that around and have an opportunity to do something that can benefit someone's life and and not even knowing what their circumstances are. Maybe life's still going pretty well for them, but gee, who doesn't want to hear from the court and say, maybe here's another $20,000 that can be helpful or can go to a kid's college fund or can go to purchase that car, can take your family on that vacation, or help you find new housing. I mean, whatever somebody's circumstances are, that that is money that is going to be very helpful to them and in, in, in some way that their family's going to need at that point. So it's been very satisfying because, like you said, it, there's not often times where we as a court are doing things that you know people are generally going to be unanimously excited or happy for. Yeah. And, and this was an opportunity to, to find a, a solution um, to a situation where it doesn't do us any good to sit on this money. We're never going to get this money. It's not our money. So if we don't get to find the people who are entitled to it, it's going to go down to the state and there's going to be, like mm-hmm. I said, bigger hurdles with the unclaimed property division to try to track down that money later. So the earlier we can get it to somebody, the less maneuvering they have to do to track it down, the better. And we mentioned how many cases that you've been able to return money in so far with a with a large impact. How many more are still out there? Right now, we're still sitting uh, on money in about 59 cases. Mm-hmm. And some of them are those older ones that, gosh, we'll still keep trying, but there's only so much we can do. And we'll put the information out there and hope that maybe there's still a few people who will find mm-hmm. us. I think moving forward, we'll see that number. I mean, there's still going to be cases even current cases we have where the person has passed away who was the former owner, former homeowner. We don't know the heirs. There may not be a situation where there was an obituary to read to give us names and some avenue to explore. But it's, it's becoming less and less, and we're, we're able to get to people earlier. So our, our hope is that cases where money is held don't, you know, the other number gets bigger. Money, cases where we've returned money, that keeps going up 
cases where we're still holding money, we want to lower that as best as we can. But there's still quite a bit out there. So if, again, people have any thoughts that mm-hmm. they might be impacted by this, or maybe there was a case that involved them or one of their, you know, their former loved one who's passed away, go look. It's not going to take a whole lot of time and, and you might find something and, and reach out to us that because we've not been successful in reaching out to you. And that's what I was just about to mention. If, if a good rule of thumb, good piece of advice is if somebody has been the subject of a foreclosure in the last four or five years, it's a good idea to take a look at the website, alansuperiorcourt.us slash foreclosure. Take a couple minutes and see if, if your case number is on there. You should have, they, they should have their, their documentation. They should know what their case number is. It's probably worth the five minutes it would take to take a peek. It is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Is this something that's likely to change in the next few years as the the housing market settles down and maybe prices start to fall again and the data balance nature of what sheriff sales are yielding now? Or is this something that's likely to keep going on for years to come? I think it's likely to keep going. It may not be in the same volume of cases we've seen Mm -hmm. most recently. But when you look back at what we were tracking down now, in part, that was because prior to 2014 cases, that money may have already gone down to the state. Because again, the clerk's office, after so many years, they Mm -hmm. can't just hold it indefinitely. And so back in 2014, 2015, I mean, we weren't at the big housing boom that we've been seeing the last couple of years. So I think it will continue. And I think as long as we have a case where we know at the end the bank's been paid, we still have money, and we have people in the case that we can reach out to, we're going to do all we can to get that money back to someone. And we mentioned earlier that this is something that you had the chance to think of during the COVID-19 pandemic, but this isn't just a pandemic program. This is something you'll keep doing. This is something, yeah. yeah. As long as we have cases where banks are getting paid and money is still there in surplus and we have people to reach out to, we're going to do that because it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't do us any good to sit on this money. It's not our money. It's never going to be our money. We just want to find the easiest, fastest, best way to get it to the people who are entitled to receive it. I don't think there is any better way we could end the program on what you just said. Well, Judge thank you Jennifer for DeGroote. thank you for letting me be a part of it. Thank you for saying yes. It's a great program, and uh, more people need to know about it. This has been In Session, an inside look at the Allen County, Indiana courts. You can find out more about this topic and many others at allensuperiorcourt.us. Thanks for listening. The next episode is coming right up.